Hey, this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it fuels your faith. And I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. A little bit about Joseph. Joseph, when he received those dreams that we were talking about that, that made his brothers jealous, they actually were from God. They actually were God-given. And it came straight after he had the coat. When he realized he was loved, then he began to dream. And so what, the first thing we have to acknowledge before we have God dreams, not, ma- just not natural dreams, but God dreams, is we need to first understand that we're loved. Because when you, you know that you're loved, you will dream. And that's what the coat represents. You've got a coat and it represents that God loves you. When you truly understand that, then you'll begin to dream God dreams. Well, what's the difference between a God dream and just a normal dream? Well, a normal dream is often what we, I would call a broken dream. It's a dream that's trying to fill the void or the hole or the brokenness on the inside of you. It's a, it's a dream that often looks like power. I want more. I want to have a bigger position. I want to have a higher position in the organization. I want to have more money, possession. Looks like more possession. And it sometimes looks like more fame. I wish I would have X amount of followers. Why? Because I want to be loved. Why do you want more position? Because I want to be higher up the ladder so that people would respect me. Love. Why do you want more followers on Instagram or Facebook? I I want more likes. Why? Because you want love. So when we, when we dig it all up and we, we, we try to simplify it, really what you're truly looking in your own way is love. But it looks like power, money, fame. And the problem is, we were, I was talking to a few guys at lunchtime, uh, Michael and a few guys just talking about, um, about fame and why is it so many celebrities who have all of these things that we would probably chase after naturally, why are they so dysfunctional? Why, why is it not working? Why is this fake form of love kind of messing and screwing them up in another way of saying it why and then all of a sudden they maybe say they're a pop star and they're in front of thousands and all of a sudden their career ends and then and then what do they do now all of a sudden they don't get the buzz off the 10,000 fake friends that they listen none of those people who were at the concerts uh, and hundreds of thousands of people are showing up at their funeral I promise you because it's not real love it's fake love it's an idea of love it's and so we've got to be careful that we don't chase broken, broken dreams. Dreams which are just there to fill the, the, the hole in our heart. It's not, God knows how to heal a heart. God knows how to fill a heart. God knows how to make you whole. Can anyone say amen to that? It's so, so important that you understand that because it's going to prevent you chasing dead dreams. And so Joseph was 17 when he received a dream, and and it wasn't until 30 years old that it came to pass. That's 13 years. 13 years of waiting, 13 years of wondering, 13 years of what if, God, are you still with me? 13 years of preparation. And I I always wondered what would Joseph say to himself if he was to look back when he was 30, 33, or whatever it is. I, I think he would say, Maybe a few things like this. Chill. God's faithful. Stop worrying. It's going to happen. Or he might say, um, Joseph, I know you've got this dream and, and you don't know it in full. You know it in part. But it's not going to look just how you thought it would. 
to some people in the room tonight and you thought by the age that you're at right now you would be somewhere else. Some of you thought, I, I, I thought I would be dead, Phil. Some, some of you thought you'd be in relationship or friends with other people or in a different location, in a different job. But the beautiful thing about that is, listen, God is not surprised. God is not surprised. And listen, your dreams may look different to how you expected them to be. Because listen, when God gives us a dream, he gives it in part, not in full. Joseph just had an idea of these corn and, and kind of like a, a picture of a field and, and th things bowing down. It wasn't like a real-time picture. It was a picture of an idea. But, but he could fill in the gap if he wanted. But he might have made a, a completely different story to what actually happened. And so that's why I want to encourage you, don't do that. Let whatever, God's, whatever God says to you, let it just be that. Don't add to it. Don't, don't make stuff up. Don't create the best case scenario because you know, you'll end up being discouraged, disillusioned, disappointed. And so let, let's go to Hebrews 11 and 1. It says, it'll say on the screen, take notes if you can. It says, now faith, because we can't receive the promises of God without faith and patience, the Bible says. Faith and patience. So it says, now faith is, is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Now, I was talking to someone this morning about this, and listen, it's, we're not just having faith in, in like a tree. We're not just like randomly worshiping a random God that we've just made up. You know, sometimes we think, is it like, this is like that kind of faith? No, 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 no. This is the kind of faith where, where when God says something, it happens. In reality, not just an idea, it actually comes into our lives. These things come to pass. It's not just an idea, or, or we're just not worshiping this random God that we've just chosen. No, there's, there's thousands and thousands of stories of God being faithful to his promise over the years. Not just in the Old Testament and the New Testament, but also after that, even right now, even the church you're in right now, it's a part of a promise, it's a part of a dream. God is still active. He's still real. The, the God that we serve, it, it's not this ideal, idealistic thing. It's not just another religion. Are you with me? But it takes faith. It says this in Hebrews 11 and 9. It says, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. So watch, watch. It said... By faith, he made his home in, a, in the promised land. So what are you, what's that, what, what are you talking about? That basically means by faith, they stepped physically into a real place which was called the promised land. It was an actual place. It wasn't an actual idea. It was an actual place. But at one point, they just heard God saying that this, through people, that this was where they were supposed to be. But eventually it happened. And eventually it came to pass. And so right now in your life, God wants to speak some things. He wants to reveal some things to you. And they will happen. And it will change people's lives. And, and you will see people come to faith. Because you stepped out in faith. 
not to an idea, but a reality of what God spoke to you. So number one, faith has to have a promise. It has to, it can't operate without it. It just, it's, that's not faith. It's not this, like I said, we're not just having faith in random objects or random, like, you know, they're done in, in, in like the sun or the moon. We're not just making up stories of false gods. We're talking about a God that actually brings promises to pass that you can live to tell the story for the future generations to celebrate that God is faithful. So it's, it's a bit like this. It's a bit like if, if you just had a, a kind of absent faith or just an ideal, ideal faith but never actually done anything, never seen God move in your life, it would be like having keys without a car. Oh, look at these keys. They're so amazing. The, the car behind them in faith is going to be amazing. But if there's no car, it's, it's, it's a fake faith. It's just a bunch of keys. It's meaningless. But if your keys are connected to an actual car that can bring you on a journey and get you from from A to B, and actually it can operate and function the way it was designed to be, then the keys are life-changing. Then the keys have got power to move. And that's what our faith in God is always supposed to be like. Uh, faith always produces a work. Always. What's the Bible say? Faith without works is dead. Same thing, if you're just having faith in random ideas or random thoughts or just your own, uh, your own vision, your own natural sight, that then that's not a God dream, that's your dream. It's only keys, it's only an idea. But when it's a God dream, there's always a work that comes out of it and it will always come to pass if you, have, you keep the faith and you're patient, 13 years, patient. So some of you are like, you're praying for salvation, and I, I, I've seen this in, in different uh, circles before where they pray for people to come in. God, just come, bring the people into the church, get them saved, but, but they do nothing else apart from pray. There's no work to the faith. It's dead. And that's why uh, uh, gatherings like that of, of people who, who think it, it's perceived to have faith because they've got keys, but there's no car. That's why we want to be a church that we don't just talk about faith and talk about God, but we go do God. We go walk like Jesus. We obviously t we're not going to just pray for salvation. We need to ask people. I want to invite you into the presence. I want to invite you to church. Who, who have you invited to church? You're praying for your relatives to get saved. Have you invited them? Because if you haven't, that's not faith. When there's no action, it's not faith. Oh, you're, you, want, you want healing? Oh, you want healing? You prayed for healing, did you? Has anyone ever, have you ever, the Bible actually says bring, uh, anyone needs healed, bring them to the elders of the church and let them to lay, lay on hands. Have we done that? It's not complex. Have you asked for prayer? Because that's God. That's his system. Have you actually went and asked for any advice? There's, there's different types of healing, did you know? Sometimes the healing takes time. There's sometimes there's instantaneous healings, and sometimes you've got to get therapy. That's another word in the Greek for healing is therapy. It's, it's continual. But have you asked anyone, to, have you went to a counselor? 
Oh, but I want healing. I'm praying for healing, but have you done anything about it? Maybe you want relationship breakthrough. Have you spoke to anyone about it? Or are you just keeping it all locked up on the inside? Or you want, you want that person to, to see God or, or to come to faith? Are you serving them? Are you honoring them? Or are we just trying to force people with, with our ideas and our, our mind? Are we, are we leaving any room for the power of God to intervene? So question, why does God give us promises? Number one, to lead us in the right direction. To lead us in the right direction. Because he knows we're going to need something to get us through some of the, the confusion. Number two, to give us a positive motivation to do the right thing. God is not, he knows us, he knows how we operate, he knows what we need. Just to motivate us, it's just simple. And then to demonstrate his faithfulness in our life. So at the end, when we realize that God is actually faithful, he's actually true to his word, he's more faithful than a brother. The Bible actually has over 360 promises that are written down and all different. God's a promise-making God. So two, God will always fulfill his promise. It says here in 2 Corinthians 1 verses 18, be as surely as God is faithful. Our message to you is not yes and no. God's not confused. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas by, and Timothy was not yes and no. He's not like changing his mind. But in him it was always, had always been yes or sometimes it says a resounding yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, made they are always yes in Christ. For no matter how many promises, da, da, da. And through him the amen is spoken to us by the, to us, to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He has anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. Watch this. Guaranteeing, guaranteeing what is to come. Guaranteeing, not if, not but. Guaranteeing what is to come. Now, here's the problem with promises when it comes to healing. Here's the problem uh, on this earth. Um, in regards to theology and believing in God. And sometimes we get confused and discouraged because you're like, did I not believe enough? Why, why, is, why am I not getting breakthrough? Why is it 13 years on and nothing's happened? Why does it seem impossible? We, we actually live on an earth that, that is described as the, the kingdom come, your will be done. So we're here to bring the kingdom of God to earth, correct? But the problem is the kingdom, we live in a kingdom of now and not yet. What does that mean, Phil? It means that, yet again, we prophesy in part, in part, not in full. So, so we get a little bit of the kingdom of God now. We don't get it all because God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth where there is no sickness, there is no pain. So, so right now we're in a situation where we see the kingdom of God in part. His kingdom come. We see glimpses. But one day we, we, we will see it in full. Amen. So that means if we pray for healing, sometimes, somebody, sometimes we see people get healed now on earth. Glory to God. But sometimes it isn't until the next kingdom, not yet. 
that the full healing will come. And so, so we live in this tension of the in-between. That's why if someone needs healing, we're going to believe the best. We're going to pray for healing. And listen, we're just trying to align with what God wants to do. Sometimes God allows us to go through suffering, believe it or not. <laughs> and, and he allows us to suffer well as Jesus suffered so that he can actually get into, into an intimate place with us where we cry out to him. And it hurts. And it's not forever. But listen, if we all got healed time and time again, we would never die. This is a temporal location. The now and the not. Yeah, that's, that's key to understand that because it'll help you to understand uh, some things when you're praying and it doesn't always work out the way you expected or hoped for, and that's okay. Okay, number three, we're, we're pushing on. It's getting warm. Is anyone warm? You're like, I'm dripping, Phil. Number three, a dream can be a passion, a vision, or a strong desire. See, every good and perfect gift that you have comes from God. If you don't believe me, go ahead and put your, your bottom lip to your top lip and, and pinch your nose and just hold. We'll wait three minutes. There's doctors in here, right? You see, see what, what you'll realize is, don't do it, guys. Don't. What you're going to realize, they're like, we're waiting for the kingdom to come, Phil. We're waiting. What, what you will realize is this. The air that you breathe, you did not earn, you did not grow, you did not formulate. No human being on the earth did. It was given to you as a gift. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Whether you, you believe in God or not, you can't explain that. You didn't create it. You don't take no credibility. No human on the earth does. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Now, now let's get into the thick. We've kind of set up the scene. There's three things that will delay a dream that God has for you. There's three things. These are the three. We're going to start with the first one. The number one is idolatry. Listen, I, I, part of my story is about, when I was 16, I'm now 34, and, and it was at 33 that, that, that we kind of launched the church and, and it came out of nowhere. And I promise you this, it did not come the way I expected it to come. I promise you. It was the worst case scenario. Actually, our name means resurrection. Number the, the R and the it means resurrection life. It means new, new, new life in Christ. But it came from a death, a death of, of a place I used to, a church I used to be a part of that invested eight years of my life and it just disappeared. But, but, but you can't experience resurrection life until something dies. A, a relationship dies, there's a dead end in your life, that's when you've been set up for resurrection life. And, and what you have to be careful of, and Abraham experienced this as well, and we'll just read this right now. Watch what happens to, to, to Abraham in Hebrews 11 here. It says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise <clears throat> was about to sacrifice his, his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in the manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So what is going on here? Isaac has been given a promise, father of many nations, as many stars in the sky and, 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 and grains of, of sand there are. That's how many his descendants will be, right? And he goes ahead and messes it up and, and, and has relations 
you know what that means? That's, that's kind of disguised for something else. Um, he has relations with his bondservant and has a, has a child called Ishmael. He basically went ahead of God. He had his own dream to fix his own problem. He had a broken dream. To start with anybody with me, don't put your hands up. Anyone went ahead of God and tried to do things your own way and realized, oh my word, this, is not, this hasn't worked. And then all of a sudden, because God is faithful, even though he, he sinned, even though he messed up, God was still faithful to the promise. And he gave him Isaac. And through Isaac, he had waited so long, he was probably in his 80s, for this child to come along. And all of a sudden, God told him to lay it down. Like, God, I've waited so long for you to provide, to break through, and now you're telling me to give it back again? That's like, God, are you delusional? Have you lost it? You can understand the thoughts that he, he might have had, but you see, God realized he was starting to love his promised child. He was starting to idolize the promise more than his relationship with God. And so what will delay our dreams and the desires for our life is if we start to try and take hold of what God has given us and grip onto it so tight that we're so afraid now of losing it. God needs us to have a heart of surrender, always. And honestly, if I'm not careful with the church after waiting so long since I was 16 to see a church that could potentially reach thousands of people and see thousands of people who are on church come to faith, if I'm not careful, I can start to go like this. I can start to just start to control and like, oh, oh, we can't mess it up. And I can start to say, oh, flip, the, the, the music's not right. Oh, flip, our, our welcome's not 100%. Oh, and I can start to then i got to be careful. And yes, we want to do our best, and yes, we got to regulate, and we got to, we got to communicate clearly, and we got to make sure we raise people to the highest standard so we have a standard of excellence because we love people. But I just, you got to be careful. Because what happens when you start to do this is you start to idolize, you start to control scenarios, you start to control situations when really you're with a bunch of human beings, and when there's human beings, there's mess all around. <laughs> Anyone lit, brought up my family where that sounds familiar? You're like, yep, that's me. I think I was from that family, Phil. <laughs> and you know what? That's just real life. The church is a family. It's messy. Jesus came into mess, a messy manger. It's real life. Surrender. Leave space for God to move in the scenario in your situation. Idolatry will delay your dream. Two, immaturity. What was the first thing that Joseph got thrown into after he, he thought he was all cool, he got the coat, he got the dream, started telling everyone, and then what happened? Into a pit. I'll be honest, <laughs> I've been in a few pits. And, and what I had to learn in the pit was stop focusing on who threw you in the pit. Stop focusing on all the brothers that were bitter. Stop focusing on the scenario. Stop focusing on what you th where you think it should have been and start looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, what could I have done better? Take your eyes off everyone else because you're not going to get better by criticizing other people. You're only going to get better by criticizing and critiquing yourself. And I don't mean in a negative way. I mean in a way, a constructive way that you can build yourself back up. And you know what? The only way you can do that is through the lens of humility through the lens of understanding that you, you don't know it all, through being very honest. And, and listen, when you're in a pit, there's n you've got time for that. 
When you're in a pit, there's not much else to do. I tell you what, the pit is a part of your process to your dream. A pit is sometimes the place that you need to go to spend some time in because there's no other way that you're going to dig to the depths of your heart to surrender your life to God in those areas. Sometimes the pit is the only way forward. Some of you are in a pit right now, and listen, get your eyes off all the people. Pray to God. Develop your prayer time. Develop your intimacy. Read the scriptures. Remind yourself of the promises of God because he is faithful. In the pit, that's where I began to experience intimacy with God like I never could in just a normal day scenario. Never. It's not possible. I like comfort too much. I like to lie on deck chairs and sunbathe and all that kind of stuff. When I was doing my training with football, I always was trying to cut the corners because I didn't like the pain. I needed a pit. You're probably not going to pray for a pit. Don't do that. The pits will come. And when they do, press in. And so what I found personally as I went through the pit is I honestly found, I, I just sensed it in my heart, there, there's maturity coming. I'm dealing with some things that I need to deal with. I'm facing some realities where I could have done better and it, it hurts because there was a price. But it's okay because God's faithful. And it's okay and even though Abraham messed up, Isaac still came. But he just had to face his mistakes. And actually, Ishmael and Isaac, they had to part. The, the, the two families had to part ways. He had to face up. What, that, what does that mean? He had to face up to the issue. He had to make a hard decision to let go of his, his man-made broken dream for, for the God dream. Some of you in here tonight, you need to let go of your dream if you want to access God. The two cannot walk together. I'm sorry you're going to delay the dream that God has on your life. And you know what God's been saying, and you know what the Holy Spirit's been convicting you of, and it's time to let go. You can trust Him. He's faithful. So the three tests, I've kind of talked about one already, is the pit test. The first test is the pit test. It's about the mirror. The second test is the Potiphar test. I got this wrong this morning. The guys were very, very good to... For some reason, I called Potiphar a wife, but it was actually Potiphar's wife. <laughs> Potiphar was the man in the relationship. And so Potiphar's wife, the next test was Potiphar's wife tempted Joseph because he said, whoa, he, he looks good. At, a, he, you know what she had? She had a broken dream. She had her dream, a fantasy, an idea. She thought if she could get with Joseph, it would fill the hole in her heart, but she actually needed the love of God. And so she came and she tried to actually, she, she, she tried to, she didn't intensely, I don't believe she tried to intensely trip Joseph up. It was just the brokenness on her, in, her inside, her subconscious chased him. He must have been smoking. But Joseph had made a decision probably from his past maturity, probably from his past time in the pit. He had made a decision that he wasn't just going to, to follow God's word situationally if it suits him or it's comfortable. He made a decision that he was going to follow God's word with an absolute attitude that no matter what, I'm not going through the pain that I went through in the past. I don't need any more maturity right now. I've learned my lesson. Listen, I remember hearing this statement that if you don't learn your lesson, guess what happens to the lesson? <laughs> it repeats itself. 
And I'm telling you, when you're in a pit and you've been through a few pits, you don't want any repeats. Oh, can I get an amen? Because it hurts. It hurts really bad. And that's why some of the lessons that I've learned even in church circles and church environments, listen, I have no time. I'm absolute when it comes to church and leadership. And if there's any weeds, guess where I'm at? I'm at the weed. Let's go talk to the weeds. And in, in, in people's, if there's any dysfunctionality, we're talking. We're, I'm not, I have no time for any more pain like that. I've learned the lesson. We're, bringing, we're keeping things in the light. If there's darkness, any secrets going on, oh, I'm going to expose them. Watch out. I've got a flashlight. I'll be all up in your space, flashing right into your situation. Get ready. Why? Because I want to protect you from yourself. <laughs> I want to protect the church. <laughs> I want to protect myself from being passive and getting into a rut and falling into another pit. God's way is always best. And God is always about bringing light into dark situations and we're all broken and we'll always lean towards comfort and comfort will always lean towards darkness. So we got flashlights in here. <laughs> Sorry, just making a point. Number three, the prison test. The prison test. Some of you are like, you need some light in here, Phil, it's very dark. <laughs> it's funny, we had two people come, this is a side note, uh, in the last few weeks, and, and one said, it's t I thought God was about light, Phil. Light of the world and all that, you know? And then the other person was like, Phil, it was so dark in there, I had to worship. There's nothing else to do. I couldn't see anyone, couldn't see what's going on. All right, I'll just worship God right now and see what happens. And I was like, it's hilarious, isn't it? It's just, <laughs> and it comes down to opinion. And what works for different people is it's all good, it's all different. And that's why we got a coat of many colors because we're all different and have different preferences. The prison test, Joseph, I love this. This is key, key, key. So Joseph's been on a journey. He's been in a pit, Potiphar's wife, and now he's in a prison. <laughs> Who wants to follow God's dream for your life? Does it sound encouraging? And so he's in this prison. He's locked in a prison. He's confined. But something in Joseph, he started to get into the rhythm of grace. He started to understand God's way of working. He started to understand, listen, I might be in a prison, but it's not forever because there's a promise on my life. And I can't be in prison and fulfill the promise. And so he started to realize, hey, you know what? I'm just going to trust God. I'm going to stop trying to work it all out. I'm going to stop trying to control everything. And I'm going to open up my hand and surrender and say, God, have your way. And say, hey, I'm in a space right now. And there's a few people I'm just going to worship. I'm just going to serve. And so the first thing that Joseph done was he just started to serve. He just served his way out of jail. He just served his way into, into, into the path which God had called him. I'm listening. God, if you want God to listen to you, you serve. God will only give dreams to a servant. He will only fulfill the dreams of a servant. Someone with a servant's heart. Because if you don't, have a servant's heart, you'll miss the dream. And you'll be striving and you'll be trying to get other places on your own strength and it, it, it actually won't happen. You'll be disappointed. And you might need a pit. <laughs> but it's all good. You can, you can still get out of the pit. There's caravans coming around all the time. Big two-wheelers. And so, so it's so, so important that we have that posture of service. And as he began to serve the chief of the prison, the chief of the prison started to trust him because they'd seen his heart was pure. 
and eventually he became the chief of the prison. And here's the thing about climbing the ladder in the kingdom of God. When, when you have a servant heart and you climb the ladder, whether it be in a job, in the church or whatever, if it's perceived that way from the outside or if you, it seems that you've got more authority or leadership, listen, <laughs> when you've got a servant heart, all it means is you've got more people to serve. <laughs> it, it doesn't, br- it sh- if you've got a servant heart, it won't brush your ego. It'll probably humble you more than it will, will build up pride. You're like, God, I can't believe you would trust this many people to me. I've got to make sure that I'm faithful. I've got to make sure that, that, I, I don't, uh, that, that, I, that I do all that I can to help these people move forward. That's the posture. It's not like, look how I'm lording over. Look how important I am. Have we ever see any of that spirit? Listen, you're going to very quickly fall and probably be removed from wherever you are if that's the posture that you have. Because that's pride. And pride causes problems. And the Bible says, before pride, you will fall. Pride always comes before the fall. Serve, serve, serve. And lastly, independence. As the band come ahead on back up. Independence. Independence is really just trying to do life your own way. Even though you breathe somebody else's air. Even though you've inherited somebody else's gifts. You decided to take those gifts and those talents and and what God has given you and you decided to use it for yourself. Independence. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. Independence. They decided God's way was over here with just a, hey, I've got a way of life for you. You're going to succeed. Promises are going to come true. It's heaven on earth. But, but, But man decided to go his own way, what to learn more knowledge, try and work it out. Look at the scientific equation. See if I can figure it out. I was talking to a guy this morning just about that because he was an atheist. Came to church, buzzing, loving it. Holy Spirit's going to move in his life. And, and I started to talk to him about, it's absolutely crazy with science because science has got this mindset, if we could just know more information, we'll get the answer. But, but let me give you an example. They, they think if we can get the, the biggest telescope possible as technology progresses, oh, we're going to find out what the universe looks like. We're going to get to, the, to all the answers uh, about life in other planets and all this kind of stuff. And you know what actually happens? Every time they get a bigger telescope, they just discover that, that the universe is bigger than they actually first understood. It's like a never-ending hole. The more you want... To find the end, the more you realize there's more. Because God's so much greater, so much bigger than you'll ever understand. Same with science when it comes to doctors. and, and Listen, doctors are only trying to figure out the best with the information they've got through certain processes. They never have a foolproof answer for you when you go there. We love the doctors and all the doctors that attend here. They're, they're serving us and they definitely help, absolutely. There's therapy with it. There's... There's solutions on the short term, absolutely. But listen, they're limited. It's not full. It's not whole. It's temporary. And this is what I love. About this last part, because some of us, when we come in here and and we've been trying to do life alone, and we've maybe been discouraged as we come into church because we think it's only for the Holy Joes. It's only for the people who have been brought up that way. It's only for the people who have um, had a perfect life. That's so much nonsense. 
That's rubbish. Don't ever believe that. It's completely and utterly unbiblical for, the, for a start. God used the most messed up people, <laughs> often more so. so. So if you're messed up tonight and you feel it completely unworthy, you're right on course. You're right on course. And watch, watch what happened now. This is, the, this is the, the, the book of faith. It's like the hall of fame in the Bible for people that had faith, right? So you're expecting all the greats, the people of great faith and took countries for Jesus and all that kind of stuff. And watch, watch, watch who, who's inserted into the, into, the, into the book of faith in the Bible. It says here in Hebrews 11, verses 31, by faith, the prostitute, do you know what a prostitute is? I'm not going to go into detail. You can talk to me after if you don't. The prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient because of her simple faith. Now, Daniel wasn't mentioned who was in the in the lion's den in the book of Hebrews. Neither was Queen Esther. Done amazing things for God, which you thought, like they're the superstars of the faith. You know, you know what it tells me? And it should tell you, God isn't after superstars. God isn't after just the big dreams that are gonna take thousands for Jesus. He's after just anyone that is available. He's after the Rahabs, the people who have completely messed it up for the majority of their life, but they finished strong. That, that's, that's the kind of faith that Jesus died for. That's the kind of stories that, that, that God wants to be told on the earth today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd like you to do. Subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you, and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can go onto our website at ariatchurch.org and give now. And we will see you next time on the Ariat Church Podcast.